What's up, everybody? This is Darius. J- <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just me. Uh, this is Stevie Neal, the one and only Stevie Neal. Um, just check it in as one thirty conversate. This is episode sixteen point five. Um, Darius is soaking up some sun in Florida on a beach, sipping a Mai Tai with his wife or something. So um, it's just me, at least for this segment. Um, I know uh, Darius playing a little something for you guys as well. So this is how we're going to do it. We're going to do it speaker box, the love below style a little bit, you know, trying to give you guys some content, even though we're apart. So, um, so yes. So how have I been living? Well, thank you. Uh, imaginary Darius. Um, just went to this church service, uh, for run by young people. Um, it's something that our church, the Path Church, is planting called the Purpose Church. It is a service by young people for young people, and just offering the youth of today some hope, um, some hope that you know people. God believes in them, uh, people believe in them, and it was just inspiring to see um, just young people giving their testimonials of how uh, Christ changed their lives for the better, and uh, the positive things that they are now doing with life, and uh, trying to have a, a positive effect on others as well. So that, I mean, that's the key thing too, not to just keep it to themselves, but to spread it around. So. Uh, that's where me and my wife were at, uh, a few of our friends at the Path Church. Uh, Miller G was uh, putting some serious work uh, producing that as well. Um, she's probably going to take a nap for about a week. I mean, she's just been grinding this weekend uh, with these um, satellite services, so to speak. Uh, we call them plant uh, churches. So our ministry just trying to spread to corners of the city, um, just spreading the gospel uh, in different areas. Uh, me and my wife, our group, um, was in Lucky Shoals Park. I put the flyer on the group page not too long ago. We'd had park service, some grilling, some chilling, some games, fun for the whole family. A bunch of kids were there. Um, it was a beautiful thing to see. And we had some visitors as well. Um, we had a guest come from Dallas, Georgia to be at this service. So that was uh, tremendous. Uh, so, um, so yeah, man. That's been going on in the Stevie Neal world of things. Um, so, just want to get into um, a little warm-up of sorts. So... First of all, just want to pay uh, my respects to Aretha Franklin, rest in peace. Um, I just know that Aretha Franklin just has basically been a celebrity my entire life. I mean, uh, her impact is that far reaching. Uh, even though I was born in the 80s, um, our, our 
Ah, see, I knew it. I knew I was gonna flub the spelling. Respect. Yeah, respect. Um, I won't know how to spell it, but other people do. Uh, apparently. Um, it was a far-reaching impact. I mean, everybody knows that song, and just what she did for music, as far as a black woman doing her thing, and you just could not deny the power of that voice. Um, and you know, I mean, I've, I've heard this speculated on and and talked about that even though she didn't have, a, you know, the look or uh, the sound at the time, I mean, her talent just could not be denied. And that's just the whole deal. Um, just that kind of transcendent talent where we're not going to see too many more of those come through. And it was definitely needed for the time where black entertainers were trying to make uh, names themselves, especially uh, black lady entertainers. Um, just did so much for uh, both those spaces so I mean man we all we always uh, try to find that next queen of soul um, I don't really think we're gonna see it happen again uh, a queen of soul that'll reign like Aretha Franklin uh, so just rest in peace rest in power whatever you want to say um, Man, so you'll be missed, Aretha Franklin. Um, and also, I just wanted to uh, congratulate uh, Crazy Rich Asians um, making number one in the box office. This wasn't something we really primed to talk about in the in the show's past, but congratulations nonetheless. Um, I read up on the campaign to make it number one. Hashtag um, Rich Open. Um, apparently it worked. The movie made $25 million. And it got number one at the box office. So if you haven't heard of Crazy Rich Asians, it's a contemporary movie set with an almost all Asian cast. And so we haven't really seen this in the mainstream Hollywood space since what, the Joy Luck Club in 1993. It's a long time ago. But nonetheless, um, it came through. Um, I'm eager to check it out now. Just uh, people say it was uh, really good, really funny, really compelling. Um, and I just hope this does for the Asian culture, what Black Panther did for Black culture as far as getting out there to the masses, people talking about it, um, and for roles and inclusion as well, because, I mean, you could almost say that um, to have this type of story being told with Asian leads is even more rare in the space than uh, most people of color. Uh, so, I mean, this, this is tremendous. I, I hope it does start a trend because I do want to see different stories told with different faces on it. Um, just to show people that while we do differ in culture, race, skin color, 
uh, whatnot. We share a narrative uh, as far as just going through life and navigating through life and really finding ourselves in life as well. We, we share that. We are, um, in that regard, we are one race, a human race in that regard. So uh, shout out to Crazy Rich Asians for claiming the number one spot in the box office. Um, because a variety of factors kind of coalesce to uh, make that possible. So uh, that's tremendous. That is tremendous. So um, moving on to um, my main topic for the evening is uh, the NFL. And uh, just to give you some background information, in episode 11, I declared that I was going to boycott the NFL in pretty much all shapes and forms of fashion. So that means, uh, you know, fantasy football, that meant television, certainly, um, and whatnot. Uh, I have since reversed field on that. I have since uh, changed my tune on that. Uh, and I have three reasons why. And I'll get into those. Okay. Uh, first of all, I feel like football is something that unites people. And yes, uh, the issues notwithstanding, I, I feel like football unites people. Uh, it certainly does because uh, people are talking about this issue. Uh, I feel like if Major League Baseball had a controversy of sorts. Um, I mean, they actually did it like 20 years ago with, you know, steroids and whatnot. Different type of issue, but football having this issue just brings it, brings closer attention to the issues that they are uh, ignoring. Um, whether it's uh, police brutality, um, domestic violence, uh, or sexual harassment. Um, people are really talking about these because of how the NFL has handled or not handled these situations involving their players. Um, whether it's the protest kneel or uh, various players getting to uh, domestic violence uh, issues and uh, the punishments that precede those actions uh, or that uh, come after those actions. So, those things notwithstanding, I'm going to put, first of all, I, I want to put those punishments in their proper place. I, I feel like there is a definite lack of managerial foresight in the NFL. I feel like that uh, whoever is in charge of these uh, punishments when uh, players are mixed up in a domestic situation or, you know, just really handling that protest rule, I feel like they're not handling it well. Um, I feel like there's probably a need for more diversification when it comes to leadership. I feel like leadership needs uh, uh, more perspectives. 
uh, when it comes to who runs the NFL. Um, people with different um, perspectives. I feel like that is needed, and I feel like that ownership and the commissioner has been given full reign over these issues, which was collectively bargained. So, um, so it was agreed upon in some respect, but. I think there's a clear need for a more diverse leadership group in order to address these issues, to use this platform to address issues, as other sports leagues have done. Um, because football has the ear of everyone right now. It has the ear of everyone. So if only someone... So, so, so I see that need for diverse diversification of leadership and I'm not putting that on football as much as I'm putting it on the people who run football um, so I which kind of leads me into my next point is that I feel like if the issues had a platform enough, for the people who run football, it will get their attention. Although I feel like there is kind of like uh, an apathy toward the issues, so to speak, that has kind of reared its head on both the managerial and fan side. Um, which leads me to my next point is I feel like there are fans who are very vocal about the issues, very vocal. And uh, I feel like that uh, some fans are making their voice is heard, but um, I think for the most part, there are fans who don't want to hear the issues, you know, that really don't want to hear the issues. Um, okay, um, I see that comment there. I mean, it, I, I'll, I'll pause to, to address that comment. Um, yeah, it seems like a plantation mentality. I'll agree. I'll agree with that to a certain extent because it is a group of owners, a group of men who own the most compelling thing in entertainment right now, or one of the most compelling things in entertainment. And they've never, up until this point, have been checked on anything. They've never been checked on how, you know conscious they've had to be on the issues they've never had to do that um and these are owners from kind of like a bygone era where you swept this kind of thing under the rug or or whatever and now in the social media age um we want to know what people think about things and some of these owners have told you what they thought for better or worse uh, even Jerry Jones in Dallas has made a very strong stance on the protest of the uh, police brutality, which he seems to not see it that way. He seems to see it as a insult to the troops, or at least uh, that's what his fan base is telling him. So he's telling his players not to kneel, or they will not be Dallas Cowboys much longer. I feel like that's empty rhetoric. 
um, on his part because I'd like to see Ezekiel Elliott kneel and see how <laughs> see how uh, close the cuts will be for her. You know, I mean, he's not gonna get cut. That's what I'm trying to say. He's he's not gonna get cut. He's not gonna get cut for protesting. Is he gonna protest? Probably not. He's not really said anything one way or the other. Unlike that Dak Prescott, who made it very clear that he will not protest. Uh, but that's a whole other deal. But um. It, it is like a plantation sort of mentality in a sense that it's just unchecked power, uh, which kind of drew me into the whole protest mode in the first place. It's just like, you know, the NFL's number one. There's no one in sight. The money just big, gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and it seems like anything that's in the way of that money gets smashed, you know, like it's a steamroller or something. So... Man, I just wish something would kind of just get in the way. And I feel like what could get in the way is my next point that I was about to get into. I think while there are vocal fans, um, I think there are fans that aren't vocal. And I think they are the vast majority of viewers. Because otherwise, this uh, stance the NFL has on the issues would change. I feel like there isn't, I think the majority is more vast than we even think of people who just want guys to shut up and play football. They want certain fans to shut up and watch and they just want their football and they don't want to think about anything beyond uh, what's in front of them. Um, Because, I mean, just football is just so tied to America right now. Uh, It's kind of like a, a primal patriotism so to speak uh there's just it's like apple pie it used to be apple pie in baseball it's apple pie in football now uh definitely it's uh uh back when i was a kid baseball was the number one game by far in america and that has completely flipped um so i think there's something psychologically and emotionally tied to football i think it like I think I tried to say uh, earlier in this, uh, earlier, if this was baseball, if this was hockey, and these same issues, if hockey players were kneeling, if baseball players uh, were kneeling, well, maybe not baseball because it's still kind of tied to America as well. But let's say hockey, hockey or the MLS. If those players were kneeling, I don't think this is as big a deal because I don't think you have that loud that loud, apathetic majority uh, trying to just quench anything that would threaten the popularity of the sport. I feel like that you, it would happen. I I think this happened that there was a kneeling protest in an international match, in a, a women's international match in soccer. And we talked about it, but then, okay. It kind of just disappeared as opposed to you having this one football player in a preseason game, a game that means nothing. He kneels in protest and almost instantly it's a storm of reaction to it. And that's just what football is today. 
it's the number one sport in America. So, um, so yeah, I feel like, you know, back to my point, I feel like the fans silence on the issue. And I, I'm not saying maybe you guys, I'm not saying my friends, I'm saying the vast, the seemingly vast, apathetic, uh, majority until that changes until until the fans as a collective I'll say will voice their frustration or just voice the issues period you know voice their frustration with the issues um, and demand that the NFL brings attention to it see that's what I feel like should happen uh, yeah I just I just thought of something the instead of trying to take down this platform, which is one of the most powerful on the planet right now, take it down, dismantle it, why don't we demand that they change what they're putting on that platform in order to bring attention to things that I think all humans agree are important? Um, as far as like equal rights, as far as rights for women, rights, you know, equality, I feel like at the end of the day, as humans, uh, we agree that these things are important, but because um, we are kind of trying to get a boycott to end the platform, I feel like the platform, all they're doing is to, they're defending themselves, and they're defending themselves badly. Let, um, don't get me wrong. Uh the NFL management is doing a poor job on handling this issue. Not like the NBA, which lets its players talk about the issues in press conferences, uh, lets their coaches talk about their issues in press conferences. Um, they don't let them kneel. There's a hard, fast rule on that, but they allow their players to be social beacons. Um, but no, the NFL has pretty much put their players on lockdown uh, as far as that. That is not the purpose of the boycott. Um, I mean, I, I know it's not the purpose of the boycott. The purpose of the boycott is to let the league know that these issues matter. It matters to a point that we will not watch. I understand that, but I feel like because in this, uh, you know, Donald Trump is president world, the uh, apathetic slash ignorant uh, majority has a voice now, and it just seems like with this protest, there was like a there's a counteroffensive. There's a counteroffensive. You know what I mean? Like an instant counteroffensive to it. So I'm on the stance of just demanding that the NFL really uses its existing, uses its platform, use the platform in order to bring attention to what's going on, and how that'll happen, I, I don't know. Um, but potential boycotters, I just, 
hope that they're aware that there is this interference being run. Like, for every protest, for every uh, demonstration, for every person that's not watching, um, there just seems to be this kind of loud counteroffensive to it that's telling the owners that this is still okay. And that, that's my point. It's like, um, because uh, we're not really demanding that they, you know, as a collective we, because I think certain teams are, are addressing things like the Atlanta Falcons, as far as like how they uh, respect the military. Um, it's probably the most military centric franchise in the NFL. Uh, and how they've talked about community issues and whatnot. I think individual te- some individual teams are handling their business on that front, but as a league, as a collective league, I just feel like um, this narrative that addressing this issue is just all bad and we can't address it at all, we can't even run a commercial. I mean, uh, the NFL has come- been behind so many other causes like breast cancer, all, you know, all, and now they have the whole spectrum of cancers for October, um, and all kind of other awareness. I think this could be addressed just as well. It's just that um, there hasn't been a demand for it. There hasn't been a demand for the NFL to do it. They want the. It, it's almost as if with the boycott, what would happen is that the NFL, the platform would be absent. You know. We want to dismantle the platform. I think that I think that's what the owners are seeing. Now, whether that's the purpose of the boycott, you kind of have to take into account other ways to get the causes out there. Because that's what's important at the end of the day. We want the causes out there. Um, we want the causes out there uh, to get awareness. And, I mean, I personally... Uh, we'll use like this platform and whatever platform I have uh, to bring attention to such things. Um, and I encourage anybody to do the same. You know what I mean? I, I encourage everybody to do the same. I mean, if you still want to boycott, I mean, I'm sure eventually if, if enough people got together and did it, yes. It would it would be very effective. It'd be very effective, but we gotta really we gotta play chess here. As far as I mean, look what happened with the election, uh, with the presidential election. We know good and well that the platform that Donald Trump ran on has not, in comparison to other presidents, been the most ethical yet. Um, that counteroffensive, that subversion, that you know, you know, that exists, but has been just in the on the underbelly up until this social media age. It's like uh, the Trump people; they got just they scavenged enough of that opinion, enough to contend against what's right. So that's the thing. Like we're in a fight. You know, we are are in a true fight now, you know, with social media. Social media has even the playing field. So now 
we need a count we need a counter strategy because we heard the narrative all year long that viewership was down and viewership is down and there's not as many eyeballs and there's not as many people watching and there's not as many this and that uh but amazon just closed the deal to stream uh one game per week for billions of dollars um Nobody's talking about pulling NFL contracts, you know, as far as television contracts. Uh, sponsors aren't pulling out, so there there has to be there's there's a counteroffensive going on. There is a counteroffensive going on. So now we have to figure out how to use this platform in a positive way, and we have to demand that of our teams. By, you know, by just suggesting it, just, you know, and I feel like if it was out there enough to use the platform to uh, bring attention to these causes, um, I think it would have a tremendous effect. Because um, football in and of itself is not the problem. It's what we're protesting is, is how people in management react to it and you know people of management can be replaced anybody can be replaced you know um nothing is forever you know Uh, no owners forever i mean they own the team but you know they can't live forever not even jerry jones so i just feel like if this platform was really used to bring attention to issues like the NBA does. Um, I know definitely the NBA does. I feel like things could turn around. And I think that could turn around with just uh, the commissioner. I think the commissioner either needs to really seriously assess how he uh, addresses these issues or we need a new commissioner, you know, plain and simple. And I feel like that would turn around like a vast percentage of how the NFL is handling things right now. Excuse me. So, um, so that's my take on it. I feel like the fans, while they've had a very vocal role in it, I feel like they need to continue to do that and and turn it in a sense that turn it around to a sense that now instead of dismantling, okay threatening to dismantle the platform. I feel like that ship has sailed. Um, clearly, there's a counteroffensive that is keeping it in place. So now we need to be able to use the platform. Because the platform in and of itself is not the issue. It's the reaction to, it's the platform's reaction to issues. So, so yes. So that that is my second point on it. Um... My another point I have is uh, well, I just want to circle back to football uniting people and whatever. Um, you know, this year I, I do want to, as you know, my churches continue to uh, use football as outreach to people to tell people um, just to kind of give people a sense of community. Uh, you know, just you know, like charity faith or whatever um a church is real good about you know 
getting people together for a football game and then really meeting people that way. Um, so my church is going to continue to do that. And I've decided that I wouldn't want to be a distraction. I, you know, and that's just my opinion. I mean, I think that, you know, it might be a little bit uh, short-sighted, I guess. But in a sense, I feel that feel like that it would be a distraction um, and I just really want to be able to be in the moment of meeting people uh, you know through these football games and use it for a very positive thing because again I'm thinking about uh, the big picture I'm thinking about the big picture um, and just maybe using those platforms to talk about issues you know to have a conversation um, talk, you know, use those uh, opportunities to meet people to talk about it and really get people's opinions on it. And um, so, I definitely would not want to be a distraction to that end. Uh, so, what? <laughs> oh, Darius, Darius. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I got some fake flack for this uh, stance, uh, but that's okay. That's okay. I just, I really just want to. I'm really not really trying to change anybody's minds on the subject. I just wanted to uh, uh, really give another platform on it. You know, uh, another perspective is what I'm trying to do. Man, I just uh, eliminated my one of my shots here. Hold on. Um, but yeah, so now it brings me to my third point. It's kind of a retro, kind of like going back, you know, I mentioned, uh, Colin Kaepernick, uh, the protest that started it all. Um, I feel like that the whole narrative of it being, well, no, not that it's unfair. It is unfair that he's not playing. It's definitely unfair that he's not playing. But I feel like because he's serious about this protest that uh, he succeeded. He has succeeded. And I feel like uh, it, he succeeded in the sense that he he's about the cause. I think, I think Colin Kaepernick sacrificed his career for what he believed in. And I feel like we can't ask any more than that. And I feel like it's almost like him playing again would sort of take power away from the protest. Because uh, John Elway came out and said that Colin Kaepernick uh, refused the contract with the Broncos. Um, so this narrative is coming out like, that, you know, he's trying to get back on or, he, you know what I mean? Although that's kind of like a flawed way to look at it. Because um, back when Colin Kaepernick was on the contract with the 49ers, the 49ers tried to trade him to Denver before his contract ran out. And so the condition of that contract was to restructure his deal once he got to Denver. 
And Colin said no, so the deal was dead. And so I feel like that's what John Elway is referring to. And that's really not the same as him being a free agent on the street and then him refusing a contract in the wake of all this. I don't think that's the same. So I feel like him signing with a team, he'd almost be somebody's pawn in the game at this point. Like they'd be uh, signing him uh, with the intent that he's going to draw attention, you know, to the to franchise that he signs with, you know, positive or negative or whoever can absorb that kind of uh, the negative blowback from that loud, apathetic majority that we see or um, a team trying to be viewed as socially conscious. So I feel like Tom Kaepernick, I think he could have gotten at least one more contract, one more contract. Um, so he, you know, sacrificed a piece of his career in order to champion a cause. And the immediate example of that is Muhammad Ali, where uh, he took three years away from his prime just to not go to Vietnam. And, um, and I feel like we can't ask for more than that. Um, I mean, it'd be great for him to play again, but to what end? To what end, really? I, I feel like the uh, cause that he is championing is uh, something more important than a football career. And he's been uh, donating thousands, even millions of dollars total uh, to this cause, going around. Uh, you know, and if he was playing football, he wouldn't be able to do that, at least not as directly as he's done. So uh, kudos on that end um, to Colin Kaepernick. So, I mean, my official stance is that I'm not mad that Colin Kaepernick is an employee. I, I feel like that, I feel like it's confirmation that he was for the cause all along. I mean, I admit that I was skeptical of his protest at first. I was skeptical. I thought that he was kind of putting on for the new movement of Black Lives Matter and trying to be a part of something, you know, that, you know, that he wasn't a part of because, you know, he was on the downturn of his career since he had gone to the Super Bowl, had a few, a couple bad seasons. So, hey, let me just get into the limelight. But him sacrificing his career for this cause and then him going out and directly affecting those causes I feel like is something to be celebrated so I'm not sad that Colin Kaepernick does not have a job I mean I'd like to see it I would like to see it um but at the end of the day uh there's bigger things at stake so so that's where I'm at with the NFL boycott guys um Let's see, because I'm using my phone for the live feed. So, um, I've seen a few comments. Um, but what are you guys going to do? What are you guys going to do as far as the uh, protest or non-protest? You're not going to protest? Let me know. Let me know your reasons either way. Um, let's see. We are at 
about 39 minutes, so this is relatively going to be a relatively short post uh, compared to what you're used to uh, from us conversators. Uh, <laughs> so, what are you guys going to do? What are you guys going to do about the NFL? Uh, I was, you know, if you refer back to episode 11, I was going to boycott the NFL, um, but I've uh, done an about face on that. Um, I feel like, you know, the people I meet through fantasy football and you maintain dialogue with, um, uh, the people that I meet at, uh, you know, just games, football parties, uh, stuff like that, um, especially as a, as a platform to meet, you know, other men as, as far as, you know, you know, telling them about Jesus and, and stuff like that. I feel like uh, that's not worth sacrificing uh, just to jump on to, uh, to a boycott. I feel like the boycott has merit. I feel like um, it is a way to bend the ear of people who make decisions. Uh, but we have to take into consideration that there is an active counter-offensive um, of, you know, you call it fake news, noise, uh, divisive rhetoric. It's definitely out there in full force in this post-45 world that we're out here in. So, um... Do the comments. Or just leave a comment. Leave a comment, and you know, even at this speed, I I'll be reacting to comments and whatnot. Um, in case you're uh, casually watching and not really uh, actively at a computer typing or in front of your phone or whatever. Um, yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Um. We agree to disagree. Uh, at least in certain fundamental principles of boycott. I uh, know, uh, shout out to my big brother, Ray Quest, is who I'm talking to. Um, he boycotted last year the whole thing from preseason to Super Bowl. The whole thing, no fantasy, nothing. Um, he had nothing to do with the NFL last year. And, I mean, I, I commend him on that. The, uh, you know commend him on that because you know all our brothers we're, we're huge sports fans huge sports fans I'll, I mean I'll fully disclose that as well um, uh, so for him to give up football uh, give up watching the NFL was tremendous uh, so uh, so shout out Ray um, and you know he's, he plans on continuing the protest so continuing the boycott rather so uh I understand certainly. I really just want to present, um, really, another, not another side to it, but just really from the standpoint of this world that we're living in, that there is a very real counteroffensive to it that's obviously working. So we, so just my humble opinion. You know, we need to form a, a counter to it. We need to use the platform to bring attention issues and and not destroy it. Because that's just not 
with with so much at stake, it's really not gonna. It's not what the at least current management. Uh, it's not the message they're getting, or it's not the message they want to get. You could say that. You could you could say that you know these powerful men are controlling the narrative one way or the other. So because of that, I feel like then yes, we do need to uh, alter our offensive um, as far as getting our message out there. Um, So yeah, man, that's all I got to say. You know, the NFL, the NFL. Um, I watch maybe a game a week. I, I play fantasy football, of course. Um, shout out Willie B. Um, the champ is back. The champ's returning. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so uh, I'll definitely be following the NFL. I'm, I'm going to follow um, how these issues are being handled. The Okay, Russ, um, valid point. Um, he hears me on connecting people through football, uh, but it's likely not going to be in his home. I mean, that's great. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's certainly uh, a stance you can take with it, is that your dollars won't support it. Um, I mean, the way I view it, unfortunately, the TV money is paid. Um, I mean, the Nielsen ratings are definitely a part of future contracts that will be doled out. Like, maybe if enough people don't watch, uh, then future contracts uh, will be affected. But uh, as far as the money now, uh, as far as taking direct money out of their pocket, um, the money's been paid. But so there's two sides to it. There's two sides to it, certainly. Um, and yeah, yeah, you don't have to, you know, host a football party at your house or have a Super Bowl party at your house. You don't have to. You don't have to. You know, you don't have to support it directly. Um, because personally, I, I, I feel like uh, the NFL being the most popular sport in America, it has to come to an end at some point. Um and it's got a variety of things around it right now. They're in defense mode, definitely, because of concussions, because of the protests, uh, how football players, uh, at least some football players who have been, uh, you know, checked by the law, have uh, treated women. Um, so football is definitely on, a, on the defensive on a variety of fronts, and that kind of points to... It getting to a point of some something's got to give. Some issue is going to come up that the NFL eventually cannot overcome. For baseball, it was steroids. It was steroids. It was like after that magical 1998 season, um, which uh, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, the home run chase, and what have you, steroids just became too much. The cloud over it and just like what was found just became too much for the sport to overcome and it just lost the trust of the American people and people turned to football. Um, so, um, I feel like this if things come in cycles, come in waves and whether it's, uh, <clears throat> sorry, need some water. Whether it's, uh, 
this issue or a future issue that we don't even see yet. Um, I feel like it's coming to a close, and I feel like uh, just some change in how the NFL is run is what's due. I feel like that uh, the commissioner is just so much in consortium with the owners as far as getting them money above all else and not viewed as a guy who cares about issues as well. Because I feel like at the end of the day, yeah, the commissioner's job is to get owners money. He's on the side of the owners, okay, because the league needs to make money. But you can be a commissioner, you can be a leadership figure and still have compassion can still um, show the consumer of your product that you care about what they care about because at the end of the day while I say there is a loud counteroffensive to social issues I feel like the majority of NFL fans don't want black people beaten by the police don't want women beaten by men don't want women sexually uh, assaulted. I don't think the majority of NFL fans want that happening. But because uh, the commissioner hasn't taken a stand for any of these causes, unlike the NBA, which Adam Silver has, I feel like that is what's affecting everything right now. It starts. It starts at the top. It starts at the top. And until Roger Goodell either shifts his perspective, which is unlikely, or until there's a a new commissioner. And I feel like, sadly, it won't be these issues that force him out. It'll be be one we don't even see coming that will shift the whole narrative and uh, shift the platform that the NFL is from something that is being used right now to say that, you know, hate wins, you know, to say that, you know, there's this big conglomerate that does not care, that only wants your money, uh, to one that does care about its consumer at the end of the day. And I feel like at the end of the day, those are the most trusted companies. Those are the most successful companies. I feel like it doesn't really care. That's what. Yes, yes, Russ. Um, I don't know if you were. Um, I don't know if you were here earlier. Uh, I touched on that. It was like my second point that, uh, or maybe I didn't flesh it out. So, the fans. Yep, and Ray Crest chiming in. Those most people don't know want to know where the hot dogs are made, or how the hot dogs are made, and and that's true too. Um, and that's where I feel like social media has reared its head to where everyone has a platform, even those of us who either are actively in opposition to social issues or people who are really just apathetic to them, um, who live in a town where a black person doesn't live or live in a town where these things are swept under the rug or live in a town where they don't have to uh, 
uh, come in contact with these issues, they don't like this interference that's going on. They don't they don't want it to happen. So, um, I mean, I definitely see your point. There is a crowd out there that doesn't want it. It does, you know, it, it may be the vast majority. It may be the vast majority, and that's what, and that's all Roger Goodell is looking at. He's looking at his bottom line that enough of his fans are tuning in to get them new television contracts. Um, so maybe it will take a shift in leadership that will see those numbers and say those numbers are all well and good, but I feel like we have a strong enough product. And the NFL is to where we can still we can still bring attention to issues like we've done with breast cancer, like we've done with the veterans, like we've done with other causes. We can broaden that, and we can show the fans, and we can show people, and we can bring information to those very same people that don't come in contact with it. We can use this platform do that we can use this platform to transform the conversation and that's going to take a shift in leadership um you know personally i'm a cowboys fan i'm i'm pretty disappointed in how uh the joneses have reacted to this and i think it's just uh that loud apathetic crowd kind of voicing their opinion saying i'm not going to come to cowboy game anymore you know like if someone takes a knee, you know, so I'm disappointed, but at the same time, um, it's, I've acknowledged that this is a world that we live in, that everyone has a platform, and I do, I think that, plat, I think that uh, stance is wrong, I, I feel like, because, first of all, it's not genuine, you're not cutting, you're not cutting any football player who protests. You're not. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, if you protest, you're not cutting him. If Dak, pro- if Dak decides to change his mind and protest, you're not cutting him. You're not cutting him unless you got a guy who can play behind him or if he's 10 years older. So, you know, the grandstanding, it's, it's, it's noise to me. It's, it's noise to me. And... I'll share that opinion with anybody who wants to listen and they can uh, think for themselves. Um, but yeah, um, that's just, that's my whole take on it. Um, hold on, let me get some more light in here. The sun has gone down. But, uh, oh, nope, that doesn't help at all. But, yeah, um, yeah, that, that is an interesting wrinkle to this whole thing. Um, what if we, we as in black people, what if we just start playing more hockey or driving more, driving NASCAR, you know, look at a Bubba Wallace in NASCAR. We got a full-time black man on in the series right now so who knows could start a revolution um we have a lot more black hockey players now than we did 20 years ago i think i think if any sport's gonna shift that is soccer um 
I feel like our programs are getting stronger and stronger. Now, if only the academy systems were more inclusive, if they reached more uh, kids of other demographics, um, then I feel like our talent would get to the point where I think it'll get to a point that a black kid will want to be a soccer star um, over a football star. If, uh, you know, that possibility was made available, you know, like was made available in that kid's community. But until that happens, um, I, I think we have a long way to go. Uh, but I feel like if any sport can shift that, I feel like it's it's soccer um, because of just the, the swell in popularity that's happening right now. Um, and just how many people play it now, how many, how many kids play it. So it's uh, way more than when we were kids where, like I said, baseball was the number one sport. Uh, and it was, I mean, just the excitement of making a little league team, having a little tryout, see what team you're going to play on. And, you know, you get the hats, you get the jerseys, you get a new, wearing a new glove, um, you get to practice throwing, practice, you know, play ball in the yard, backyard, those days are gone. I feel like soccer has kind of replaced that a little bit. Uh, you know, as much as it can in this electronic age where that just kind of gets kids' attention now. But, but yeah, man, uh, it's definitely an interesting conversation. I did want to share this opinion that I had Uh And, and yeah, Ray, um, it's probably not pushed. Maybe the NFL uh, is handing out bags to certain uh, soccer academies and, and communities, saying, "Hey, let's keep let's 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 keep these black boys playing football." You know, let let's 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 keep the system going. And you know, with all systems, I feel like the system will come to an end at one point. Somebody's not going to get paid. Someone's not going to benefit from the current system. And they'll subvert it and change it. Um, so so that that's probably what's going to end up happening. Um, so, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I just wanted to share this end of the spectrum um, I know the boycott is real it's out there you know like I said my big brother did it an entire season watched nothing had you know nothing to do with football for a whole year so <clears throat> just wanted to share this end of it um, and just why I'm I'm going to watch but what you know what else I'm going to do I'm going to bring attention to these issues that the NFL is ignoring um, and, you know, if people do the same, I feel, I feel like, uh, it's a back and forth. And so now instead of good being good and that, and standing on its own, so now we have to go back on the counteroffensive with our point and with our platforms, whatever platforms that we have. So we, we, we have to fight is what I'm saying. We, we have to fight 
and we have to fight with the tools that we have. Um, so that's that's just my piece on it. Um, thank you for conversing, conversating. Um, let's see, we're about an hour in now, so I don't want to get too long-winded, but um, just a reminder. Check this out on our uh, various listening platforms because uh, I'm going to post this to the podcast as well. I've got a microphone on this little camera here. So uh, <clears throat> we're on Anchor, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple and Google Podcasts along with Breaker, CastBox, um, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. Um, I'm forgetting. And Overcast. That's the ninth one. Yes, nine different platforms. Um, Anchor puts us out there. Uh, shout out to Anchor. And uh, I think Darius J is working on his food for thought, volume three. I think he's uh, working on that. Uh, and like I said, Melody. Melody's just been all around the city uh, this weekend, um, just uh, doing production for these. Uh, satellite these plant services that we're doing so she just she needs to take a nap y'all she'll be ready next sunday um so yes um it's been a pleasure and wow it's so weird just signing out with just one person but this has been conversate we have talked about it yes we talked about it as Mello would say. So, peace, y'all. Have a good night. I know y'all got to get up in the morning. So, uh, take care. And we will be back here on Sunday at their usual time around 4.30-ish. Yeah, 4.30-ish. Um, with a special guest, Rihanna Dorellis. We want to talk to her. Uh, she's really good with um, she has a business dedicated to getting volunteers together and maximizing their potential. So we want to talk about that. Um, so yes. So episode 17 next week, just be here at four o'clock, be here waiting for us and we'll get the stream together. Uh, so yes, looking forward to it. Um, cause yeah, as y'all can tell, I'm not used to being by myself, but Hey, you made it work. So, uh, good night. Take care.